Amen. Good morning and welcome to this service coming to you today from Lawrenceville, Georgia, the campuses of World Outreach Church for All Nations. We thank God for allowing you to join on and log, log on and participate and share with us in this incredible Christmas season as we celebrate the, uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. At work, fine uh, vision and mantra is building strong families and serving global communities. And so we want to welcome all of you this morning from far and near for joining with us to participate in this service where I'm continuing the message that I began a few weeks ago on financial freedom. Uh, let me just open this morning by going to a scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. In, in the NKJV, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, uh, and, the, and his name shall be called uh, uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. However, I found in a different translation in the NET, which is the new English translation, a particular uh, uh, twist to this verse that I really, really, really love. And here it is on the screen. For a child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. Now look at the next sentence. He, Jesus, showed us responsibility. Just, just, just take a stellar moment right there, a pause. Now if he's shouldered in responsibility, what do you have carrying burdens? He, Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one that we celebrate as we talk about Christmas. The Bible says he showed us responsibility. This is the wrong translation here. And he's called extraordinary strategist. That is the correct translation. Extraordinary strategist. I never thought of him like that. Because King James says he's a wonderful counselor. So now I can see the connection. Wonderful counselor. But it's not just a counselor. It's an extraordinary strategist. And so this morning, as we look back at two, three weeks of teaching, and we look forward to the future in other teachings, I want you to know that wherever you are, whether it is the fact that you've been bound with sin and habits that you don't know how to come out of it, Jesus is the extraordinary strategist that will bring you out of your sins. Hallelujah! Whether it is the fact that you are grappling where every month you never have enough to pay your bills and to live and to survive, you need to know that Jesus is the extraordinary strategist to show you how to come into financial freedom. He's the extraordinary strategist to show you and I how to maintain healing, wellness, and wholeness. He's the extraordinary strategist to show us how to maintain relationships. Hallelujah. He's the extraordinary strategist that shows us how to mend wounded hearts and spirits. And so for the portion of the message this morning, still talking about seeking his kingdom, I just want to emphasize as we launch into this message that Jesus has come, he was born, and has come 
to show you and I the strategy of financial freedom so that we are not ruled by money, but money becomes a servant and a tool for us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so really I have five talking points. Two of them I mentioned already last week, and then I'm going to address more fully this morning three last ones of the five talking points. So very quickly, let me go back to the first two as an overview to make sure that we are <clears throat> reminded of this truth. Number one talking point is the fact that Jesus isn't averse to being rich or growing richer. Let's settle that once and for all. There is no virtue in poverty. Jesus is not averse to you being blessed and rich or growing richer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, give that to me in the Passion Translation, please, if you can. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. In the Passion Translation, if you can find it. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, please don't miss that point. Jesus was not a pauper. Hello, somebody. <laughs> the Bible said he was infinitely rich. However, he impoverished himself for our sake so that by his poverty, poverty of choice, by the way, voluntary poverty, by the way, so that by his poverty, we could become rich beyond measure. That is the reason we are taking the time to do this teaching. I want, like Jesus, to see you and I become rich beyond measure. Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, you don't, need to, you don't need to turn to this. The Bible talks about how Abraham, the servant of God, was rich in cattle, livestock, and silver, and gold. So we know, we know, we know, we know that Jesus is not averse to being rich or growing rich. Number two, number two, number two talking point. And I mentioned this again last week. I'm just going over this again now. He encourages servants. Jesus encourages servants. In Proverbs 13, verse 22, the Bible says, A good man or woman, shall I add, leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, if you are broke and you have no savings, you can't do that. A good man or woman leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And the wealth of the sinners or the wicked, the Bible says, is laid up for the just. Now, let's move to talking point number three, and this is really where today's message begins. Number three, he encourages the dignity of work and business. He encourages the dignity of work and business. So in Luke chapter 19, in verse 13, Luke 19, 13, in the New King James first, thank you. So he called 10 of his servants and he delivered to them 10 minors 
and said to them, do business till I come. <laughs> business was not given to the devil. I hope you hear that. Jesus is telling us here, do business. I think King James says, occupy. Occupy till I come. Amen? Give that same scripture to me, please, in the, in the Passion. Passion translation. And then I'm going to ask you to give it to me in the NLT. Thank you. The same scripture. Before he departed, he summoned his ten servants together and said, I'm entrusting each of you with $50,000 to trade with while I'm away. Did you hear that? God is entrusting resources to you and I to trade. Now look at what he says next. I love this. Invest it. <laughs> and put the money to work until I return. Unfortunately, many believers are just eating the money. The money goes to Givenchy. It goes to Gucci. It goes to Salvatore Ferragamo. It goes to all these things. But Jesus is not saying you should give to Salvatore. He says, invest it till I return. Invest it. Put the money to work. And by the way, we're going to have sessions, maybe two or three sessions, that's going to be devoted to savings and investment in the course of these teachings. Because I'm sick and tired, and sick and tired of Christians lacking the resources to advance the frontiers of the kingdom because of this poverty mentality. There are men among us that God has blessed and endowed with wisdom on how to do what we're talking about. And we need to take heed and to allow them and give them the room and the platform to share with us and teach us and help to motivate us to where Jesus is saying, invest it and put the money to work until I return. Now give it to me in the NLT as well, please. Thank you. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me. Well, I'm gonna please. Do, I, I don't know if it's just me, but do you see that the, even the investment don't belong to you? Ah, <laughs> you guys are not listening to me. Invest it for me. It may have my name on it, on fidelity, 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 fidelity brokers, or Chase, or Bank of America. It may have my name on the account, or E Trade or TD, Dominion, whatever avenue you choose. It may carry my name, but Jesus is saying, you are invested it for me. I'm a steward. Don't ever forget that. Remember that's how we started? God owns everything. He's the source of everything. And number two, the fact that me and you are to have the steward mentality. We are to have the mindset of being a steward. And that's what we keep on saying. Invest this for me. So every time I place a trade, I say, Jesus, this is your trade. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, man, I'm getting too excited. Let me move on. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20 in the Passion Translation. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20 in the Passion Translation. Thank you. Now, last week we talked about this rich Fool, the parable of the rich fool. Okay? Let me just read it again now, and then we're going to talk about it for a minute. Against the backdrop I just gave you about how God encourages business and the dignity of work. Jesus 
then gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. And I pray in Jesus' name, every one of you listen to me, that by the time you begin to put to practice the things that God is teaching us, everything you touch will have bumper crops, crops in Jesus' name. Everything you touch will have bumper crops to the glory of God. In fact, it filled his bounds to overflowing. He thought, what shall I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? I know what I will do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn that will hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back. Hallelujah. Surrounded with comfort and ease, I will enjoy life with no worries at all. God said to him, what a fool you are. <laughs> Anyone that thinks like this man just said, it's a fool. It's a fool. What a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. That's the point. Because obviously, this man is trusting in his bumper crops. How much crops can you have if you have no good health? How quickly will that investment dissipate if you are laying in a hospital bed sick? Yeah. This very night, the messengers of death are demanding to take your life. Watch the last sentence. Then, who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself? Don't miss what Jesus is saying here is addressing head-on the issue of ownership. Ownership! Who owns it all? Who owns my investment? Who owns my bank account? Who owns my life? Who owns my health? Who owns what I have? Who owns, who owns, who owns me? God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He owns everything. There's nothing else that, that's, that's there to, 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 to reckon with. He owns it all. But this man, this rich fool, did not give account, did not give, he did not give a recognize to the fact that God owns everything. And at the verse 20 here, Jesus says, then who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself? Now, as I was just studying, now give me Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23 in the NLT. Leviticus 25, verse 23 in the NLT. The amazing thing about this, Leviticus 25, verse 23. Thank you. Leviticus, there we go. Watch this now. Remember what we just read about this rich fool. Remember what we just read about his ground or his farm producing a bumper harvest. Remember that? Now read this. The land must never be sold on a permanent basis. For the land belongs to me. Ownership. Ownership versus stewardship. The land belongs to me. You, Bank Akimola. You, Ibukunshoyebo. 
You, Fidelis, you, Sam, you, Jolly, you, whatever your name is, you are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. Woo, glory to God. This is the backdrop. This is the scripture. So for this man to imagine, to think that his land has brought forth fruit and is now thinking what he will do without consulting the owner, it's foolishness, and that's, that's what you and I do. When we think because we have money, we have the right to do what we want with it without asking the one that gave it to us. That's the problem. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, God has given us the power to have wealth so that his covenant with the fathers may be established. The only reason we have wealth is that God gave us the power, the ability the enablement, the favor, the opportunity. But why is he doing it? So that his covenant with the fathers may be established. What is that covenant? Genesis 12, 3, to Abraham. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 22. He repeats all this covenant to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Consistent. The reason I'm prospering you, the reason I'm bringing wealth into your hand, is not just so you have comfort and ease. Now, it's not against comfort and ease. No, it's not. It's not against that. It just does not want me and you to be overtaken with comfort and ease and we forget the purpose. It'd be crazy for me to go to IBM and get a job. And IBM says, this is what you're going to do, this is what we're hiring you to do, X, Y, Z. And after the interview, they now ask me at IBM, did you understand what we told you? He said, yes, I do. And they ask you to tell them back what you feel you understood by what the conversation. And all you are saying is, I'm going to enjoy my paid leave. I'm going to enjoy my health benefit. I thank you for the 401k. And all, all the things that just benefit you, that's the only thing you focus on. You didn't hear anything they say about your mission. That is what's wrong with Christians. We enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God, but we do not understand the responsibility. And I'm telling you the secrets of financial freedom. Ah, the day you understand why God put money into your hands. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And the day you begin to use it to glorify him, that day will be the day that lack is banished in your life forever in the name of Jesus. Ha. Ah. Let me just move on. Let's go to Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 28. Still talking about it. I'm still on my third talking point on the, on the goal and the dignity of work. Ephesians 4.28, give that to me, please, in the NLT. I know I'm driving you guys crazy with all these various translations, but God will deliver you. <laughs> He'll give you strategy for, for deliverance. <laughs> Ephesians 4.28, NLT, thank you. Watch this. If you are a thief, oh, comma, let's just stop there for a minute. Let's stop right there. Paul is talking to Christians. This is the book of Ephesians. Not the book of heathens. Efficient church. 
was supposed to be the most spiritual church in the New Testament. Yet, in that church, obviously they were thieves. Now, they're not robbing Chase Bank, Wells Fargo, Truist, Ameris Bank. No, they're not coming to your neighborhood to take, to take away your flat screen TV. That's not what they were doing. If you are a thief, quit stealing. And that message is for us today as well. You are a member of WorkFan, or you are joining us by streaming on live, whatever, however you're getting this message, I want to say to you, if you've been a thief, stop stealing. Instead, he goes on to say, use your hands for good, hard work. And then, give generously to others in need. Now, 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 let's, 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 let's take a pause there for a minute. It says we should do hard work. May I just help you to understand that your prosperity and how you become wealthy, although you must work hard, is not contingent on your working hard? <laughs> you need to let that sink in. Of course, we want to promote good work ethics. The Bible says if we don't work, you don't eat. Let's settle that. However, I don't want you to think for a minute that because you're working 16 hours a day is what's going to create wealth. No. If the sheer brute hard work is what creates wealth, then every one of those guys that we see digging ditches should be the wealthiest people on the face of this earth. Now, no pun intended and no offense intended when I use digging ditches. I just used something that we, I know that most of us are familiar with when it comes to hard work. These guys are hardworking people. You're driving on the street, you're saying, ah, man, how do you do this eight hours a day? I don't understand how they do it. But they have the grace, and I thank God for them because they are doing something that's valuable and essential to all of our flourishing and living. But the point I'm making is, you must not make a mistake to think that you become wealthy by the sheer brutness of hard work. No. This is where the partnership with God comes in. My God. You do your part. He gives you the extraordinary strategy to naturally, supernaturally multiply the little bit you do. The wealthiest people among us today, they are not sweating like most of us. How many times have you seen uh, uh, Bill Gates sweat? Or Warren Buffett? Jeff Bezos? Do you see this guy sweating? Actually, the only time I see Jeff Bezos, I see him on vacation. He's down there in the grease, skin, he's doing great. I mean, this guy, I mean, why are they so blessed? Because the principle we are learning and teaching works for the just and the unjust. It works. Amen? So let me read it again. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard 
work and then give generously to others in need. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 12 in the message translation verses 29 through 34. Luke chapter 12 verses 29 through 34 in the message translation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You got it. Thank you. Now, what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, 20, verse, verse 28, is just echoing what Jesus had already taught when he was teaching us about this rich fool. I'm about to read it now so you can see it. Luke 12, 29. He said, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Can you imagine that? Take a chill pill. You stand up, you stand up all night trying to balance your account. Relax. You're wondering how you're going to pay your car note. You can't sleep. You are, you are irritated. You don't talk to your wife, to your children. You are just like a mad bear in the house because the bills are not coming together. Relax. Jesus said, I'm just trying to get you to what? Relax. Not to be preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Oh, my God, I'm having a blast in this place. Oh, glory to God. Don't be preoccupied. People stay, they stay up literally all night. Okay, if I just do this, I can get 20 more dollars. Oh, okay, maybe 300 more dollars. Yeah, I make this deal. They lose their mind. Busy, preoccupied on getting. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. That's our dilemma. If we don't understand God's financial principles and God's way of prosperity, we will think the result of prospering is dependent on us. And we are forgetting the fact that Jesus, though he was rich, for our sake, he voluntarily became poor so that out of his poverty, we may be rich. Now, if you can do it, you don't need, you don't need Jesus. But he came in this season to bring salvation, to bring deliverance, to bring healing, to bring hope, and to bring prosperity. And bless God in Jesus' name, every one of us that's listening we will be prosper, we will be blessed, we will be favored in Jesus' name. People who don't know God and the way he works, first of all these things, but you know but God and how he works. Next verse. Steep yourself in God reality. I love this translation. God initiative. God provisions. You will find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You hear in the news that somebody built a house in uh, Jamaica, they built a house in uh, Congo, they built a house in Douala, they built a house in Lagos, they built a house in the village. I say, ah, I'm behind time. Don't run on anybody else's timetable. Keep your God focus. 
no matter how late it is, God will show up. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Don't be afraid of missing out. There's nothing you're missing out on. You are my dearest friends, Jesus says. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Next verse. Be generous. Now, he's not telling you how to get to this point. The only way to tap into God's provision, God's initiative, God's generosity is being, by being generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven. Far from bank robbers. Safe from embezzlers. A bank you can bank on. I like that phrase. Oh, hallelujah. A bank you can bank on. <laughs> hey, listen, you may not be able to bank on me. I may not be able to bank on you. I may not be able to bank on this world systems, but God has a bank you can bank on. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Woo! It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you, your, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. I'm still on this third talking point on how Jesus encourages the dignity of work and business. You see? Ah, maybe I should read the scriptures. Now let me leave it alone. Every dollar you get, or pound sterling, or German mark, or euro, or Nigerian naira, or sifa, every dollar you get has the potential to influence a person's life for the better. Think about that. Think about that. That every money that comes through our hands has the potential to influence a person's life for the better. Prosperity is a byproduct of seeking God. It should never be the goal. I said that earlier when I shared the testimony last week. No. Prosperity should not be your goal. Your goal should be seeking God. Prosperity is a byproduct. It comes as a result of you seeking God. And so when you work so you can have money to give, God takes care of you. He can take that to the bank. I'm a living proof. When you work so you can have money to give, God takes care of you. Listen, to, listen folks. Since 
I want to be a blessing. God, I want, to, I want to be your instrument, your channel through which your blessing flows. God, put seed in my hand. Why? Because God says he's the one that gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So God, I thank you for seed so I can represent you fully in my oikos, in my circle of influence so that I can be a blessing, so I can put a smile on somebody's face, so I can add values to somebody, so I can help someone know that you're a living God. Who cares in the affairs of man? Yes. That's the purpose of working. That's the purpose of working. The first thing we should do when you get money is give back to God. That's the first thing you should do. That's why God gave me and you two hands. One to receive and the other to give. If God can get money, hear this now. This, let me say this very slowly. If God can get money through you, to other people. He will get it to you. Let me say that again. If God can get money through you to other people, then he will move heaven and earth to get it to you. Because as the money flows through you, there will be plenty left over for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so from God's perspective, he evaluates prosperity by how much a blessing you are to others. Now that's the bottom line. If you really want to know if you're prospering, the way God measures prosperity is not my bank account. It's not from my 401k. It's not in my investments. That's not how he measures prosperity. He measures prosperity by how much of a blessing we are to others. It is an investment opportunity of a lifetime. Hallelujah. Now, let me move on. So that's talking point number three. Number four, talking point. You can go to Mark chapter, four, chapter 12. In a message translation, Mark chapter 12, Verse 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12. Thank you very much. Talking point number four. Jesus watches the treasury. <laughs> let me say that again. Okay, let, let me go through that number again. Number one, God is not averse to being rich or going richer. Number two, God endorses the Father would save. Number three, 
it endorses and encourages the dignity of work and business. Number four, now I'm saying it watches the treasury. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about the US Treasury or the Federal Reserve Bank or the Central Bank of France or Nigeria or anywhere. No. Watch the scripture. Sitting across the offering box, that's the treasury. He was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Ah, in a few minutes, you are going to have the opportunity to give. And I'm just saying to you now, Jesus is watching how you give. Wow. The, the folks, I mean, when I saw this, I read this, I said, oh my goodness. My goodness. So you pray, you fast, you make all these confessions. At the end of the day, he sits down and watch how you give. Let's read it again. Sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. He just wasn't watching people giving. He saw the big men, rich men, worthy people. Worthy woman, put in large contribution. He didn't move him. He didn't move him. But when this widow put two measly cents, the Bible said he took a celeb moment, time out, and called Andrew, James, John, Matthew. He called, he said, wait, 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 wait. You guys don't miss this. Don't miss this. Pay attention. Look what just happened. The truth is, Jesus is speaking, that this poor widow gave more in the collection than all the others put together. How can that be? But what kind of mathematics is Jesus coming to this assumption? How can you tell me that the wealthy people put in large contributions. He just said it. And then that this widow came and gave two measly coins. And from heaven's perspective, don't miss this. This is not Banker Kemala speaking, no. This is heaven. From heaven's perspective, it says that that woman's giving. Go back to that verse 43, please. Thank you. The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. So what this tells me, when it comes to giving, Jesus is not looking at how we give by the amounts that we give. <laughs> but he's looking, about, he's looking at what we give by the sacrifice behind our giving. Now, this does not eliminate or cancel out large giving. That's not the point. Because we're going to see that in a minute. Verse 44. Watch this. All the others gave what they will never miss. <laughs> it's offering time. It's blessing time. It's offering time. It's Abraham's blessing time. 
And we so get in the routine and the road. I make $1,000 a week, and I'm going to just write a check for $100. $100 I've never missed. Automatic routine. It's almost a default. In fact, you, in fact some of us have programmed it on the phone. $1,000, $100 go out. I'll never miss it. And you think you have given? Jesus said, all the others gave what they will never miss. She gave, glory to God, extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. That's the difference. I said it last week. It's like a faith, it's like a muscle building. You can't go to the gym. Let's forget the gym. Okay, Pastor Larry runs here. You can't run. Say if you start running two miles a day. After a week, first two, three times you do it, your muscles are aching, you're tired, you, you're so, man, this is tough. After about two, three weeks, you get familiar with it. It's a breeze. You don't feel it any longer. If you want to increase your stamina, you're going to have to up that two miles. Two miles must become five miles or four miles or whatever. You have to increase beyond what you used to do. Then your muscles will ache again. You feel the pain again. And after a while, you get familiar with it again. And then you have to increase it again. That's the same way faith works. You can't keep giving the same amount of money every week, every month, and think you are in faith. No! Your faith has become stagnant. God forbid, in the day of need, there will be nothing, nothing will happen. Why? Because you've not been faithful in that which is least. I'm going to need to add a few more minutes to the, to the time this morning because I, I don't want, I need to give birth to this baby. You understand what I'm saying? The baby is in the birth canal. And he's, he's, he's going to come forth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I don't want to come back and have to do this again. So let's, let's just give birth to this baby and be done with this, this portion. Amen? So Jesus is watching the treasure. And I'm praying for you this morning that you receive the faith and the grace to trust God, to go beyond your normal ability in the name of Jesus, that God will help you and I to come out of our comfort zone. That's what it is. We, come, we get comfortable. That God will help us. So, Father, I declare and I decree every man, any, every woman that's listened to me, that they will no longer be satisfied with the status quo, but God, that they will go beyond their normal ability, trusting you, to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. So you bring them to a new place, a new dimension of trusting you, and then they can experience the incredible, unbelievable, supernatural overflow that can only come from you. We receive that, Lord God, in the mighty, majestic name of Jesus. So my last point in closing is when, how, or where shall I give? When, how, or where shall I give? Let me read one scripture from the Good News Bible. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, verse 4, and verse 6. Ecclesiastes, verse 11, from the Good News Bible. Thank you very much. Remember Jesus told us in Luke 19, 
to invest. Here in Ecclesiastes, it says, invest your money to foreign, in foreign trade. Did you hear that? In the King James, it says, cast your bread upon many waters. But did you hear? Did, did you, did, I'm glad for this translation because it makes it plain. Invest your money in foreign trade. And one of these days, you will make a profit. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I want to make a profit. Is there, is there anybody else that wants to make a profit? <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to make a profit today. I want to make a profit tomorrow. I want to make a profit the day after. I want to make a profit next week, next month, next year. For as long as I live on this earth, I, Bank Akimola, wants to make a profit. Invest your money in foreign trade. And one of these days, you'll make a profit. Give me verse 4. If you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you will never plant anything and never harvest anything. <laughs> you are waiting until you win the lottery before you give to God. It will never happen. You are waiting until you get that promotion, the bonus you were promised, before you give. It will not happen. You can't be watching and waiting the circumstances and the elements where it comes to God's financial freedom. Give me verse 6. Do your planting in the morning and the evening too. Now, I, I, oh God, I don't have enough time. I can talk about this for, for the next one hour. Because some of us, are, we, we are used to just say we are going to go give on Sunday. Now, there was a time when that was relevant. 10, 20, 40 years ago. Because you only went to church on Sundays. Today, we have PayPal, Cash App, Kindred, U.S. Postal Service, and some of you know the location, you know the address. You can drive your, your incredible BMW or Mercedes-Benz and come there. Do your planting in the morning and in the evening too. Don't wait till Sunday. Whenever God places a seed in my hand, immediately I go to my cash app. Immediately I take care of God. I said, God, thank you. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for placing the seed in my hand. Thank you for your faithfulness. Immediately. Why should I wait till Sunday? Why? There's PayPal. There's Cash App. There's Kindred. I'm not going to wait to defy God's blessing, and I'm driving to Macy's to go and look at that nice shirt. I jumped to me, my Marcos. Ah, look at these boots. Ah, they look, they look good in my feet. I'm not taking care of God. I'm looking at misses. What kind of a thinking is that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God adds everything else to you. So I'm answering the question, when, how, or where shall I give? Those four verses takes care of that. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, verse 4, verse 6. Please give it to me also in the NLT. I know I'm gone way beyond time this morning, but let me just give back to this baby, I beg you. 
in Jesus' name. And I'll give you the time back next week. <laughs> NLT, verse 1. Verse 1. Send your grain. Look at this. If you didn't understand investing foreign trade, look at what they say. <laughs> this, this thing is too much, right? I'm telling you. Send your grain across the seas. Can I just ask you, work fund? How many of you have been investing in foreign trade? Thank you, Olamide. <laughs> How many of you have been sending your grain across the sea? I'm talking about intentionally giving. Every time you give, you know this giving is not staying in Georgia. Every time you give this gift, you know it is designated across the seas. Glory to God. This is missions given. Let me make it plain. This is sending portions to those for whom nothing has been prepared. God is counting on you and I to get this message across the seas into the foreign lands. That's why those jokers are coming to me and telling me, telling me the commission's given. They better not come and see me again. They better not come and see me again. Because the day we've stopped doing this, that's the day we stop being work fine. The day we stop doing this, that's when we need to change our name. The name of this church is World Outreach Church, church for All Nations. Not World Outreach for Lawrenceville. Get your theology right. I better not hear that again. In the name of Jesus. Send your grain across the seas. And in time, oh my God, prophets will flow back to you. <laughs> prophets will flow back to you. I can stand here and tell you that the reason we're still here, in spite of everything that has happened, in hard times and good times, in the times of abundance and in times of famine, is because of our faithfulness to partner with God to sow seed across the seas. If you ever know, if God ever opened your eyes to show you what is delivered you from, you will, you will be rejoicing. But sometimes because you don't know, you just act foolishly. Please give me my collage. For those of you that wonders how your gift is at work. This is for you. When I say your gift, you're given. You see Lom on the right. That's our food pantry ministry. Love at remission. To the far left, you see Inspire. Inspire is a ministry that helps battered and abused women. To, 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 I can't really see the rest of this, to be honest with you. The one below that, the one below Lom, I believe is what? Northeast what? Okay, there's Emma Cares. Emma Cares takes care of the vulnerable among us, the elderly. And at the far right, you have the Northeast. Is the veteran, is, in fact, that, that, that in itself is almost an annoyance. Why can't we have veterans, men and women, 
who put their lives on the line for our liberty. And they come back and they're homeless. And we're sitting, counting our 401k, our CDs, we have long. Just this last month, give me the, give me the numbers. On, on the numbers. Thank you. Just this last month, for long, the pantry, we served 155 families, which translated to 500 individuals from the pantry. These are things happening in the background that you're not aware of, and I hear some people say, cut missions. This is what they want you to cut. If they come to talk to any of you about that, shut them down. Tell them to go read the Bible. Go back to my collage. Thank you. Go back to my collage. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so we take care of the home front. Why do we do that? Because our mission is to build strong families. LOM takes care of the distress through food distribution. Those that have food insecurity. Inspire takes care of abused women and battered women, and women that's just in, uh, that are ins insecure. Emma Cares takes care of the vulnerable, the older elderly people among us. And the Northeast Veterans Home takes care of the veterans that are in distress, that are actually homeless. So we take care of the home front. But the Bible says we should also send grains abroad. Here you see to the left, Miyama, Pastor Gochi. In fact, he sent me a text message just last week, just this last week. Last week, pastors and evangelists in Miyama, because of the pandemic, have not been able to put food on the table. That, that's a fact. No food on the table. Why? Because churches have been shut down. And therefore, there's no contribution coming in. They are not able to be sustained, except the grace of God and the partnership with God through people like us and others around the world. This is what Nehemiah is talking about in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Many of us know the last part of that scripture, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. But that's not the whole scripture. The beginning of that scripture says, they should rejoice, they should not mourn, they should go and feast and celebrate and send portions for those to whom nothing has been prepared. Ah! Glory to God. Go chin. To the far right is Daniel Goba in Syria alone. I'll need a day to talk to you about Daniel Goba. What, what the man is doing. It's unbelievable. As we speak, he has 92 people waiting to graduate from the T3 program that we gave to him. Pandemic or not, is continuing to work, continuing to work and raising more people up with very meager resources. God bless his heart in Jesus' name. Okay. So here we have AOF. That's the Aka Artist Foundation in Thailand. We've partnered with this guy since 2012. They run an orphanage. They run a seminary, and they also have church planting all through the northern uh, Thailand area. Incredible work and ministry. 
this Christmas, or really every Christmas, okay, let, let me give you context. Normally during the year, they make all the decisions for the kids. What they eat, when they eat, what they wear, when they wear, where they go to school, when they sleep, when they do their homework, when they play, all these things are made for them. But Christmas time, they give them one luxury. They put in each kid's hand $50. I said, now you make a decision how you want to spend it. And then they take them out, and the kids buy and do things for themselves. And these kids, from Christmas to Christmas, they are dreaming about the $50. <laughs> Think about that, guys. So I'm grateful to God that we help support the orphanage, the seminary. In the seminary, oh, I can tell you how many of our, many of our training manuals have been translated to the language that we used to train them every time we go. Give me the last, the last one. This is Pastor Sarah in Vietnam. No, she's not the blank whiteboard. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Here she is. I, can, I cannot even begin to tell you what these people do. As I speak to you, she's in the mountains. Teaching, training young people. Two days ago, just two days ago, a sorcerer, a, a wicked, notorious sorcerer, witchcraft, in the village, gave their life to Jesus. As a result of this woman, true story. Yeah, because she's sending me information as, as she goes. So, so here we are. We are in the malls, and that's fine. We're online, we're shopping, and that's fine. But Sarah's ministry, which is Paul's mission, as we speak, from the 13th to the 21st, she's in the village, in the mountains. Now, you, you guys don't understand. You don't, it's not, when, you say, when I say mountain, you just, go, don't, you just don't get there by helicopter. It takes 16 hours trekking, motorbike riding, in mud, very dangerous terrain to get there. How did they sleep? Oh, no, there's no holiday in there. <laughs> Definitely no Marriott. She sleeps on the dirt. She was telling my wife and I the story. Pigs walk over them all night long. But she, because she's so tired from ministry, she doesn't feel it until the morning when she wakes up. And then she sees all the bruises and the marks all over her body. But are they going to stop? No. No. Why are they not going to stop? Because they understood the commission. He has given us power to have wealth so that our covenant may be established. Listen, time will not permit me to tell you why you as an individual needs to get involved in this giving. Maybe later on when I'm going on the teaching, I'll, I'll help you understand. It's one thing to give to a work fine. And you should do that. It's another thing to designate your, your giving. To LOM, to home missions, or to foreign missions. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. I don't want to leave you hanging. Let, let me just explain that very quickly. And I'm gone way beyond time. Please, I'm trying to help you to understand how you can become an avenue. How, how, how money and favor will gravitate towards you. You don't have to look for it. It looks for you. Ah, Lord Jesus, can I do this in two minutes? Give me Leviticus 25, verses 1 through 5. I'm trying to help you to understand the distinction between your regular giving, which you should give, 
And by the way, by the way, please help me. Let me help you to disabuse this notion. Because some people came to me and said to me, say, Pastor, whenever you give people opportunity to give in multiple areas, what they actually do is split their $10 in those multiple areas. People without discernment will do that. But when you have discernment, you will never do so. So if you normally give $100 every Sunday, and then you hear this message, ah, look at this man, this, this, this crazy man has come again. This, yeah, yeah, this man, this preacher, preachers, they, they just want our money. No, I don't want your money. No, God is my source. Amen. I've been trying to tell you that you don't understand yet. God is my source. Oh, man, you guys don't understand. If this church ceases to exist tonight, I will not miss a bit. Now, please, I'm not saying that boastfully. I'm boasting in the Lord because I know what God has done for me and what he's able to do and what he will continue to do. So let's get that very clear. But what I'm saying is, if you normally give $100 every week and then you hear a message like this about giving to home missions, and given to Vietnam and Thailand, many people that lack discernment, they just take that same $100 and split it up. They chop it like they're chopping onions. 20 to home missions, 20 to missions, 20 to regular giving. Uh, what is, what is IBK asking for? Give him to another $20. Just, just add it all together, Nothing has changed. They just gave the same hundred dollars. You will never get blessed. I'm sorry. That's why Jesus said, "The poor you always gonna have with you." They were here, but they will not act. The way to get blessed is to get involved in what God is doing. All the result from Vietnam, from Thailand, from Myanmar, from Syria alone from what we do at home and what we do in other places that we cannot even mention. All that reward and result is accrued to us. Why? Because we're partner. And likewise, when you begin to give directly to those things, the same thing is with you. Leviticus, I know I need to shut this down. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, speak to the children of Israel and so to them, when you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Watch this now. I'm trying to explain and help you understand why you should not shortchange yourself by splitting your offering like an onion, but to trust God to enlarge you to be able to participate with him. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But, oh my goodness, in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Verse 5. What grows of its own accord, your harvest, of your harvest, you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest 
to the Lord. Now give me verses 20 through 22. And then I will explain this and we'll go. And if you say, see that's what many of us say. What shall we eat in the seventh year? Oh, so Pastor Bank, you are saying we should give to home missions. We should give to foreign missions. We should give uh, grace giving. Ah, we should give the, uh, if I do all this giving, what will I have left to run my family? What will I have left to pay my bills? Legitimate, valid questions. Let God answer the question for us. What shall we eat in the seventh year? Since we shall not sow, nor gather in our produce. Ah, you are telling me as a farmer, I should farm six years. But the seventh year, I should leave my farm alone. I should just leave it alone. I can't go there to, to get crop, nothing. Just leave it alone. Okay, God, what, am I supposed to pay my bills? Verse 21. I will command my blessing, glory to God, on you in the sixth year. And it will bring forth produce enough for three years. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. You are sitting there. You are watching me. You are wondering, how am I going to pay my bills, my tuition fees, my car note, and my food, on and on and on and on. God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. At the point of your obedience. At the point of your obedience. Immediately, I credit you three years. I'm the one that's telling you to give. I'm the one that's telling you let your farm rest for one year. On the sixth year, not the fifth year, not the fourth, not the third, not the first. On that sixth year, why? I'm the one that has a calendar. <laughs> While the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Did you hear that? While the earth remains. God understands the systems of this world. He instituted them. And he said to you, obey me. In the sixth year, I'm going to give you three years harvest. In one year. Why? Read on. Watch this. What do you know? Go back. Go back. And you shall sow in the eighth year. So they took one year off, right? So they come back in the eighth year. You shall sow in the eighth year. And eat old produce until the ninth year. Where is the old produce coming from? From the sixth year. He made the promise in advance. Do you know God's name? No, I don't think you do. I don't think you know his name. Do you know God's name? No, no, you don't. I don't think you. His name is Jehovah Jireh. What does it mean? That God that sees your need and makes a provision for your need before your need arises. That's who he is. He's the great El Shaddai, not El Chippo. The God of all sufficiency. You shall sow in the eighth year and eat all produce until the ninth year. Until his produce comes in, you shall eat of the old harvest. So what's the point I'm making about giving specifically to missions? What am I trying to get across to you? God understands that every farmed land must never be over farmed. Those in agriculture will tell you if you farm a land year after year after year after year, the ability of the land to produce nutrients 
to support the crop diminishes. So in his wisdom, he said, you know what? Allow the land to rest. That year of resting is when the land regains back all of the chemical nutrition that helps it to be productive again. Okay, all right, Pastor, I'm hearing you. What, what does that have to do with missions? A lot. So for those of us that are only giving you in the United States, that do not understand invest in foreign trade, that do not understand send your grains over the seas, we are giving in a place where the land is overfarmed. You do not have unreached peoples in the United States. You have unbelievers. Those who have heard and continue to hear and refusing to believe. Vassals, foreign lands. Where you, when you mention the name Jesus Christ, they think it's the latest flavor of Coca-Cola. They've never heard. So which of the two lands is more productive? The one that has been over-farmed or the one, the one that has not been farmed at all? Which one is more virgin that has the ability to produce more crop? Of course, the virgin lands. The virgin lands. So when you now deliberately, intentionally give to missions, you are placing your seed in a virgin land that's not over-farmed. So this is what happens. Oh, my God. Dr. D will know this because he's an investment man. You understand very quickly that $10 in a land that is virgin is not the same as $10 in a land that's overfarmed. <laughs> My God. If somebody said to you, if you invest $10 in, in this company and it will bring forth 200% return, but you invest $10 in this company, you bring 5%, which one would you do? I know you are not stupid people. You understand that simple mathematics. You understand that. Investment. You understand that a company that produces more and more and gives more and yields more investment is more potential to attract more investors. Unfortunately, Christians don't get that message. We don't get that message. So that's the reason, not only as a church, corporately do we give to missions, but I'm challenging you today. Change your thinking. Don't cut your offering like onions. Let God enlarge you. Let him increase your capacity to expand your giving muscle. If you've been giving five, ten, twenty, hundred dollars normally, today trust God to go beyond that. And say, Father, I thank you that your word works in my life. I'm yours. Everything I am, everything I have, it belongs to you. And so, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give my grace giving so that the work of the ministry at Workfront can continue to go on. But at the same time, I understand we have a pantry, we have women's ministry, we have all this. I'm going to be a part of that. Oh, I'm going to go so to missions. I'm going to give. In fact, for missions, in fact, I've told Brother Sam, show me that tomorrow he should send money to those guys. So I'm trusting you to join in with us, to be a blessing to those for whom nothing has been prepared. Stretch your faith muscle. Stretch your muscle to give. And let's do it big to the glory of God. No, I know I went way, 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 way beyond time today. But I just didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to leave anything in the tank. So uh, that's why I did that. And so I'm just going to pray now. Father.
In the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this privilege to bring forth this message in such a time as this, as this Christmas season. This is the time when you send forth your son, the great Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. I bless you for what he means to forgive our sins, to empower us, God, to join together with you, to advance the frontiers of your kingdom. And so, Father, I thank you that every man and woman a part of this church and those maybe that's not even a part do appreciate the message and join in to your financial freedom strategy. Help us to become generous, prompt to do givers, to give beyond our normal natural ability. As that widow gave, to give to the point of hurting. Father, thank you. We receive the grace, we thank you for it, and we bless your name, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.